Desiree. And I'm Tyrone. And we are not, not your, your attorneys. attorneys. On this segment of Who said that? Who said that? We are going to talk about this hot boy, hot girl, city girl, hot boy <laughs> summer. Like, y'all, what is going on? Wait, when you said that, it really reminded me of what you need, boy. I need a hot girl. That was a, that was a throwback. I mean, I'm sure y'all are old enough who are listening. Most of y'all, some of you law students, I need to go back and you know check up on your history. If y'all need a current sample of that type of genre that Tyrone <laughs> is speaking of, the new Trina and Nikki song, um, Baps, that's a sample of Project Chick. Oh yeah, um, I'm not going to say exactly how old I was when that song yeah. came out, but I was old enough to know what those <laughs> lyrics meant. And I am old enough to appreciate the reincarnation of it. And I have to say, it's not the best song out there, but I thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. I think Nikki sounds good. It's Mm -hmm. not her best rapping ever, but Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. You and know she could now do Trina on her own song. Yeah, I mean, I just it's a it's a it's cool a good, like song that make you dance, but like that, it's not more, my top five. It's more for nostalgia. Yeah, and I I'm agree. okay with that. But you know, the one who started off the hot girl summer shit, Miss Megan Thee Stallion, is having a great summer. A great summer. Like I have seen her performing everywhere. Like yes, girl, she just did Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel, I believe. Yeah, and she did Riller, which is you know. My jam, and I think she did um, Big Old Freak Big as well, which is crazy because Big Old Freak came out like early last year, right? It I came out. I just learned of the Tina Snow album. Like, yeah, a couple no, of months ago. I and I think it came out even before the. I think it was a mixtape that that album was, or maybe it was a full album. I don't know, but it was a whole new set of songs that were not Fever okay. and. She is still performing it because now it's getting really popular, sort of like with Lizzo, because you know Lizzo just did the BT Awards. Um, she did the BT Experience and uh-huh. she performed Truth Hurts. And Truth Hurts came out. A year, I like that song. I told now. you she I, she hasn't quite caught on for me yeah, yet, yeah, yeah. but I do enjoy that song a but, lot. You know, all of these songs are coalescing and empowering um women to have their best summer ever and live their best lives so and when y'all doing this ladies don't spend your own money i was telling tyrone the story (laughs) earlier that's all i'm gonna say but (laughs) hi boy having this city girl hot girl summer you keep your own coins do you understand i don't think that is bad advice and megan said he ain't no trick if he just buying food so a man taking you out for drinks and taking you out to eat that is not no money one of my friends said you gotta pay to play okay (laughs) 
and they should also be paying not just for the food and the transportation, but for your tickets to these shows that they're trying to get you to go to and stay out all late. So when you go on down to Afropunk in a little right. bit or, you know, what else we got coming up for the rest of the summer? Shoot, we got um, Is this Made in America. Made in America. Summer Jam happened, right? Yes. Summer Jam already happened. Did Governor's Ball happen? That happened. That happened in June. It's some other stuff going on so in New we, York. So we got a couple things areas. left. Um, so I just want to give y'all like this best piece of advice from a true white woman for real. <laughs> like she was working at the Chanel store. Up in, what store is that? Bloomingdale's on 59th and Lex, whatever. But mm-hmm. let me tell y'all, she had this cute Chanel like crossbody. She was, and my friend was like, oh, is that the new Chanel? Blah, blah, blah. She was like, yeah. She was like, oh, my friend asked, how do you like it? The woman said, it's perfect. Just a, big enough for my uh, keys and my lipstick. Cause when I go out with a man, I never bring my credit card. <laughs> you leave that at home. I said, oh, bitch, for real. <laughs> she said, yeah, I never reach for my wallet. I'm oh. like, Say no more, sis. Wow. Must be nice because, I mean, obviously, as a man, I will never experience that type of lifestyle unless I get a sugar daddy. But, I mean, most black women and just women who aren't rich white women will never experience that either. So, I mean, that is something I think everyone should- Still bring your card. Everyone should aspire to that. Exactly. But make sure that you got a little bit of balance exactly. on the CC before you head out the door. <laughs> but let's get into these cases. Uh, y'all favorite victim. Oh, oh I'm, I am excited <laughs> to talk about this one. Miss Taylor Swift. She is the definition of a true white woman right here. Um. Yeah, I mean, she. she, she I will say no. She has written playbook for the new modern day white woman rich white woman she's not of the old school class Mm because she is independent and can buy her own ish um but the reason we're talking victimize her way to get it right she is the she's the new one she's the i was told by apple care (laughs) white woman (laughs) but anyway we're talking about miss swift um because she has decided to take her dispute with Mr. Scooter Braun public about him buying her master's catalog. And actually, it's not exactly what you think it is. Right. So if you guys haven't been paying attention, Taylor Swift wrote an op-ed on Tumblr, but homegirl went off about, as Tyrone said, music, music veteran Scooter Braun owning her master's and the bullying from the Kardashian uh, West family. Now, Scooter Braun or Scott Samuel Scooter Braun is an American entrepreneur, talent manager, investor, philanthropist, and entertainment executive. And for those who don't know, I think he has managed lots of different artists, but his one that people most recognize him for right now is Justin Bieber. Um, and, and I think he does Demi. Does he Demi. do Ariana Grande as well? Uh, I think he might do Ariana Grande. Um, but I just know that people recognize him as being Justin's manager. Mm-hmm. So outside of doing all of that, he also has his own company called Ithaca Holdings. And it actually acquired music executive Scott Borchetta's Big Machine label group and a blockbuster deal backed by the Carlyle group. So we're talking about really, really rich people at this point and really big companies that are worth a lot of money. 
So the $300 million acquisition includes the music publishing operation, Big Machine Music, which owns the master recordings for six Swift albums going back to when she was 15 year old. So if y'all remember like, Romeo, take me somewhere we can be alone. I'll Never be heard waiting. Y'all remember that? No, only thing I know is shake it off. Shake it off. Well, I think that's in the mix. Yep, that's in the mix. (laughs) So in Swift's Kanye-style rant, she claimed she was blindsided by the news and wasn't given the opportunity to buy her masters, adding that Braun has bullied her for years and owning her work is the worst-case scenario. While folks went on to back up Swift and empathize with her for not having ownership of her work or being given the opportunity to purchase back her childhood songs that she said, I sat in my bedroom floor and wrote those songs as a child. Um, Folks who supported Braun came out swinging with receipts. So first up to bat, (laughs) Scooter's wife and Big Machine CEO Scott Borchetta defended the deal with Borchetta claiming he sent Swift a text before the announcement that her dad could have learned about the sale during a shareholders call the week prior because he also owns a stake in the company. Borchetta also said that the last deal memo he sent to Swift, which he posted a partial screenshot of online, would have given the artist ownership of everything she had created for purchase contingent on her re-signing with the label, and she rejected the deal in favor of moving her business to Universal Music Group. So two points about that that, you know, had me thinking. She was given the opportunity to purchase back, and so, you know, that points out again that she's a liar because you did know that you could purchase it. Mm-hmm. But the stipulation of her re-signing being contingent for her to get it back, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but that's why you negotiate, right? Exactly. And to be more specific, it also was that for every new album she put out on the label going forward, they would give her the rights back to one of her previous albums. So essentially that kind of seemed like a good deal. Obviously, we don't know the contract and the minute details of it. But if I can gain back the, my masters and ownership for my new albums, and then I don't know if she was able to um, retain the masters for her current albums as well or the new albums she will put out. I mean, why not? And so for those who are, you know, a little bit rusty on your contract language when it guards, in regards to record labels and record deals when we're talking about masters we're talking about the actual recordings that are played on the radio and streaming that it's like if you were to say um if you were to hear a song on the radio and it would be like oh this is shake it off the original version like if you were to hear a cover of it you would know if it wasn't the original song so we're not talking about the publishing and the the royalties that you would get from being a songwriter that are collected by the publishers. We're literally talking about the, the, master, the masters, original recording. which is where you can make a lot of money because those are the things that are being, you know, used in commercials and used in movies. And you, because they're not, there's no statutory rate that is set by legislators or Congress, you can charge whatever you want for these sync licenses, as we talked about with like the Peloton case. So she's really concerned about, you know, how she can make more money because I believe she 
probably has at least 50% of her publishing because she wrote these songs, if not all of the publishing because she wrote these songs. So we're, we're talking specifically just about the masters, which is important. And, you know, Prince talked about it, you know, buying his catalog or retaining it. And, you know, Michael Jackson, I believe, even bought up um, the yeah, Beatles catalog. Sierra, Sierra bought back her master. So a lot of people well, are retaining. Russell did. Yes. <laughs> Great husband. Um, so yes, master recordings are important, and that goes down to contracting how you contract your deals. And so, um, you know, although Taylor is upset that she doesn't own the masters to her first six albums, it's likely that she has no recourse, especially since she passed up the offer to do so. And as Tyrone mentioned, typically labels own the masters in exchange for advance payment to artists for a period of time. And once monies are recouped, artists typically have the opportunity to buy back the masters, depending on how, you know, their agreements are contracted. And so, you know, having an attorney look at your agreements beforehand Mm -hmm. is very important. And I'm sure Taylor being 15, when she wrote these songs, she needed those advance payments which is why she gave up the rights to her master recordings. And that's why we have to stop right here and talk about this for a second, because what she's saying is she's talking about bullying this and bullying that. And for as much shit as we give Taylor Swift, I think I respect her as a musician and for the work that she's put in to become a pop star, because that is not easy and everyone can't do it. Go look at some of your faves, Tinashe, who can't do it. Even though they are great and at what they do, everyone can achieve pop star status. So I respect her for that. But here's why I have the issues. She's saying that she's being bullied. And I'm not quite buying it because she's talking about a deal that she entered into when she had no bargaining power, when she was not a star. When Scott, I think that's Big Machine, Scott's company, when she signed with them, she didn't have any type of following he really did take a chance on her because she was just some probably local Tennessee star. And she was like a little blonde or I think she was brunette at the time. Mm-hmm. Girl, strumming a guitar sort of badly, but like good enough to where people wanted to listen to it, at least at the county fair. So I don't buy like over time, if you want to keep working on your deal to get a better deal as your star power grows, that is up to your team. Yeah, You don't go and blast the people who have been with you the whole time and, you know, work to help to get you where you are to be like, I can't believe you went behind my back. He's running a company, sis. He is running a company. Exactly. And, as, and Scooter is over here trying to make... Now, I'm not saying Scooter Braun is a good guy in any of this because... I surely believe that he is just as petty as you are, Taylor. (laughs) But in this situation, there's not a lot of wrongdoing that happened. It sounds like a standard business situation that happened, which you were aware of ahead of time. And you just aren't happy about it, which is okay. And you can say, I'm not happy. And I'm going to advise all you up and coming artists to try to get a better deal for yourself. And that could be that. And, you know, we know that, you know, in addition to her artistry that Tyrone praised. I, I have no comments on that. Her business acumen is uh, really, really good. And I guess in some respects, as she has gotten older, if you all remember, Taylor was really the pioneer for um, artists getting paid higher rates on Spotify yep. when she pulled her Reputation album because she thought that all artists, not just her, needed to be paid 
hire for the spans and she had, you know, a provision and her new record deal with Universal uh, Mm -hmm. Music Group that required them to give her a portion of the money that they were receiving from Spotify and so for the spans that were played. And so that definitely was um, groundbreaking, not only for Taylor, but for all artists. And so, yeah, she has used some of her power for good and not just for herself and to push the industry forward. So we can't always be saying bad things about her, even if that's how you feel about her. The facts have to back you up. And Mm -hmm. in some cases, the facts support that Taylor is a good businesswoman. Yeah. And, she is thinking about a greater good and she is a, you know, savvy pop star. In this case, she dropped the ball is what it seems. Right. So um, going back a little bit to recording agreements, they typically don't restrict labels from selling the masters to other companies. So again, that goes back to contracting. They aren't required to, if they sell the company, give the masters back to Taylor. And so they do have the ability to sell to other Mm -hmm. people as they did. And in this case, it just seems like, Taylor is upset because Braun is now the owner, especially since he's friends with the infamous family who exposed her for being a liar. Um, Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about is the video Kim leaked of Taylor consenting to lyrics um, and a song. I don't remember what song it was. I think it was Famous. Yeah, Famous. Oh, I made that bitch famous when he talked about Taylor Swift and she tried to play victim again and then Kim drop the mic or video of Taylor saying, yeah, I approve of it. So, um, yeah. So I think ultimately Swift's public rant may help in the sense that it may cause Scooter to consider her feelings when it comes to exploiting her works in various forms, but also some exploitation requires her consent as well. So I think that basically she was just putting him on notice. Like I'm going to be in your back. Right. Don't you be Until over you here. Until you do right by me. Because <laughs> she does require or she does retain rights over a lot of these songs because she's a songwriter. I don't know exactly how they worked it out, but like. Go to the Spotify episode to learn more about publishing and how the ownership rights work. Right. Y'all got to listen to all this. We ain't about to give y'all everything for free. Um, But who was trying to get over and not pay and have these people give him free money was actor and influencer Luca Shabbat. Sabi? I don't Whatever. Know. So <laughs> he's best known for his role on Grownish. I wish I could say I didn't watch that show. I just I know it's good, but I don't watch it. Yeah. And for dating Courtney Kardashian. And he has been hit with a lawsuit for refusing to promote a brand on Instagram. So Luca's a cute little boy with the dreads, if y'all don't know. Wait, he's a boy? He's a boy. He's twenty one. He's dating Courtney? He was dating Courtney. Oh, yeah. See? Okay. Walking out, holding hands at clubs, parties, kissing. Mm-hmm. See, Courtney and China got more in common than they think. <laughs> dating children. <laughs> but apparently, this is uh, the second lawsuit against him for ditching his promotion obligations. The streetwear band Conus filed a lawsuit in LA Superior Court for $40,000. The brand is alleging that Sabbath or Sabat never followed through on an agreement to promote the company's clothing line. Mm-mm-mm. It says it paid him $30,090 to participate in a photo shoot for the fall winter 2017 season and to post two images on Instagram. The first lawsuit was filed against him last fall in New York. 
Snap Spectacles accused Sabbath of reneging on the agreement to promote the glasses. And if you know Snap Spectacles, they are made by Snapchat, which oh, is really? yeah, which is uh, it's called Snap Inc. now. Ah. Um, but yeah, that's the glasses where you could you know take pictures with your glasses and upload straight to Snapchat. I've never seen them. Remember they had the little kiosk set up one. in California where you can get them out of like a vending machine. Nope, I missed all of that. So anyway, in that case where he wasn't promoting the glasses, um, Snap alleged that Sabbath had been paid $45,000 for one Instagram post and three Instagram stories featuring the spectacles. Apparently, he only did one post and one story. And I think this case is really interesting because I think we're going to see a lot more litigation coming into the courtrooms about people not fulfilling their social media duties for these contracts where they're doing like a deal with the brand and it's not because you know that's where people live now that people live on instagram they live on twitter and they someone's still on facebook probably your grandma (laughs) and they're literally that's where they consume news that's where they consume advertising so it's really important that when they do these deals that they get brand ambassadors to post on their own feeds to make it seem more authentic because how many of us scroll straight through these ads and mm. just be like, y'all are bombarding me, but you'll stop and you look at a post from, um, I was, why does not Lathan come to my mind? Not, <laughs> not the Beyonce biter. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> when you see a post from Zendaya or Haley Bailey on Instagram, and even though they may use hashtag ad or hashtag spawn, if they're, you know, doing everything they're supposed to do with the whole um, FTC guidelines. We did uh, a breakdown about that. We sure too. did. Mm-hmm. If they're doing all that, it doesn't matter as much because it's still on their feed and it's mixed in with all of their regular content. Right. So it really does matter that they put these in the agreement. And we're probably going to, like I said, we're going to see a lot more lawsuits and we're going to see more um, judgments and remedies that are specifically targeting not following up and this is so easy literally you have a manager exactly. you probably have an assistant you can schedule these posts and let me tell you something about good drafting lawyers out here so when i work on influencer agreements i definitely do like a time frame in which these things need to be posted mm-hmm. and they have the number but if you are not complying with that that time frame we are definitely about to send you a payment demand letter before we, um, you know, file lawsuits. But also, I like certain posts to happen before you get paid or you get partial payment right. before we give you this full money up front. And if it's an event that you're posting about, oh, you're not about to get that plus one until I get some uh, posts <laughs> beforehand. So, you know, just... A little bit of tips for the lawyers out there. Lesson learned. Um, but let's get into somebody that I actually like. Yo Gotti. <laughs> if y'all don't know Yo Gotti, he has a song that I really like called Juice. He has Rake It Up with Nicki Minaj. Rake It Up really was a sleeper jam for me. Yeah. It snuck up on me. I did not expect to be so moved whenever I heard that song. I went to a twerking workout class and I learned to dance to it. <laughs> So, can I still do it today? <laughs> not with these knees, not. <laughs> well, so here's exactly what happened. So, three years ago, rapper Young Fletcher paid Yo Gotti $20,000 to make a guest appearance on a song with him that was never released or recorded. 
the confusion as to whether the song was actually recorded stems from the fact that Young Fletcher sent the song to Gotti to appear on and not them actually recording together in the studio. Fletcher also alleges that Gotti released a similar song to the one that he sent and was also trying to sign him to a $150,000 record deal behind his manager's back. I'm sorry, but $150,000 for a record deal is not a lot of money, particularly if you're signing over masters and anything else. That is not anything. Yeah, I mean, I hope there was a lot more rights involved with that. (laughs) Um, Yo Gotti was served notice in this lawsuit on stage last year, but never responded. So due to Gotti's lack of response and failure to appear in court, the judge granted Fletcher a default judgment of $2.2 million. And let me tell you, this is one of the stupidest ways to lose a court case (laughs) is to not respond or show up. You make too much damn money Mm -hmm. as a celebrity or performer to not employ someone to just handle this shit on your behalf. It don't make no sense. Well, this case hurt Gotti's pockets even more because Fletcher was awarded treble damages or triple damages because the judge found willful, unfair, and deceptive acts conducted by Yo Gotti. So that $2.2 million award turned into $6.6 million. So silly. So, so silly. So now (laughs) Fletcher feels empowered And he plans to go after Gotti's Bella Mansion, his cars, and other luxury items, probably all his jewelry, too. Right. In order to collect the money that he's owed. So, and on top of all that, he may not even be able to appeal decision based off of how things are unfolding. So, this is a lesson in, like... Responding to court documents. And just having a good team around you. There's Again, this is definitely not something that Gotti should have been thinking about because he should have had a business manager or an attorney or anyone who slightly knows what's going on with his... Because he was served. He was so served he on it. stage. So it wasn't like, oh, it came to them in the mail to one of his houses or apartments that he has in some country. Mm-hmm. They gave it to him and he probably was like... I don't know what this shit is. And he probably tore it up. And probably... So, yeah, if he was served on stage, he probably never even handed it to his team because he probably just threw it away directly after that. But, again, that's and on you. And when y'all serve, read it. Because that, like Tyrone said, is on you. So, yeah, I I wish I could say I feel sorry for him. But, my gosh, it looks like you had plenty of options or at least plenty of opportunities to address this and you just were like, I don't have to because I don't like him. Well, here you are. And this is The Breakdown. breakdown. Today's topic, remedies for breach of contract. There are two general categories of relief for breach of contract, damages and performance. Damages involve seeking monetary compensation for a breach of contract. Performance involves forcing the other side to do what they originally promised in the contract agreement. Monetary damages for breach of contract. Types of damages for breach of contract include compensatory damages, money to reimburse you for a cost to compensate for your loss, consequential and incidental damages, money for losses caused by the breach that were foreseeable. Foreseeable damages are when each side reasonably knew that and at the time of the contract, 
there would be potential losses if there was a breach. Attorney fees and costs. Only recoverable if expressly provided for in the contract. Liquidated damages. Damages specified in the contract that will be payable if there is a fraud. Punitive damages. Money given to punish a person who acted in an offensive and egregious manner and an effort to deter that person and others from continuing to act this way. You generally cannot collect punitive damages in contract cases. Now for performance remedies for breach of contract. These include specific performance, a court order requiring performance exactly as specified in the contract. This remedy is rare except in real estate transactions and other unique property as the courts do not want to get involved with monitoring performance. Rescission. The contract is canceled and both sides are excused from further performance and any money advanced is returned. Reformation. The terms of the contract are changed to reflect what the parties actually intended. Before you file a lawsuit, you should review your contract for any limitations or notice requirements contained within your contract to make sure you do not waive any contractual remedies. And that was the breakdown. And now for some updates. So, Mr. New Slave himself, Kanye, um, we have an update on his EMI slave contract dispute. So... With alleged settlement failures, the dispute between Kanye and EMI is heading back to court. So to recap, in January 2019, Ye filed a lawsuit against EMI in California, claiming that he's been laboring for the publisher since 2003 under an unfair recording contract. West claims that the contract explicitly forbids him from retiring as a songwriter, recording artist, or producer, and thus is illegal under California Labor Code Section 2855, which limits personal service contracts to no more than seven years. EMI responded by countersuing West. EMI alleges that West breached the contract by filing the lawsuit in California and by attempting to invoke California law specifically because a clause in his contract provides that New York has exclusive jurisdiction to handle controversies under the agreement. Present day, EMI plans to file a motion for a preliminary injunction, which may include preventing West's claim to be handled from being handled in and under California law and to prevent him from releasing any new music. So West, in response, has filed a motion to dismiss EMI's complaint in its entirety. Yeah, so we'll keep you guys updated on this because if it does go all the way through court and not um, settled, I think this can kind of change the landscape of recording agreements. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how... I don't know. This has, a lot of things have been sort of happening in the music law space that I sort of expected to go the other way, and they've been going differently. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. So, I think first and foremost, one of our very first episodes where we talked about um, Robin Thicke, yeah, um, blurred lines case. Mm-hmm. That one was one where I was just like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> we'll see. So we have another update, um, a case that I find really interesting and a new person that I actually like. I'm very <laughs> surprised. Um, Meek Mill. We Desiree have, don't like no more. <laughs> <laughs> we have an update. You know, once you cross me, 
or you cross black people in general, it's hard <laughs> to come back. All right. So, um, you know, he's shooting that free meek documentary and the defendants and producers of the Amazon documentary won a victory. The defendants include a uh, Amazon rock nation and a couple other folks who were filming for that documentary. So the case was dismissed via summary judgment and, you know, Summary judgment is a decision made on the basis of statements and evidence presented in the legal pleadings and documents filed without a trial. It is used when there is no dispute as to the facts of the case, and one party is entitled to judgment as a matter of law based on those facts. On a previous episode, we discussed the attorney, Charles Pareto Jr., the Philadelphia attorney who represented Judge Brinkley, the infamous judge for sending rapper Meek Mill to prison on multiple occasions for probation violations. He was suing Amazon, Rock Nation, and more for allegedly leaking disparaging comments he made about his client, Judge Brinkley, when he thought the interview had ended. And while the interview had in fact ended, the mic was still hot and picked up comments where Peruto Jr. stated, let me tell you something. That was hard to do because defending this judge is now becoming... Why doesn't she just grant this fucking thing? He continued to make other negative comments about the judge's handling of Meek's case. Pareto Jr. claimed that the comments were off the record and accused the defendants of wiretapping. The judge presiding over the Pareto case had the Pareto tape authenticated and did not hear the attorney ever instructing anyone to go off the record nor stop recording. In analyzing the claim of wiretapping, a statute intended to prevent the interception of one's communications, the judge says that the big question is whether Pareto exhibited any expectation of privacy. Pareto Peruto and his expert pointed to how the camera was turned away, how he attempted to remove his lavalier microphone and an abrupt shift in tone, which might add to a colorable argument of privacy expectation. But again... Pareto never expressly verbalized an intention to go off the record, which you sort of have to do mm-hmm. when you're talking to journalists. To shed some more color on this case, let's get into the judge's opinion on the case. So Judge McHugh writes, regardless, even if Mr. Pareto had demonstrated an expectation of privacy and no respect did he have a reasonable expectation of privacy, a standard the Pennsylvania Supreme Court has interpreted narrowly. Mr. Puerto spoke freely in front of a room full of individuals, some of whom he did not know, and in the presence of recording equipment. Although Puerto's office may have been more secure from eavesdroppers than the squad room in Angu, which is... um a comparable case on wiretapping and eavesdropping related to Donald Trump. (laughs) The recording devices present had been active mere seconds before and thus were more likely than intercom phones in Angu to intercept the conversation. Pareto knew the recording devices had just been recording, yet he began disparaging his client before he even had time to fully remove his microphone. Given the controversial nature of the case he was discussing, defendant's interest in getting his story and the controversial nature of his remarks, Pareto had greater reason than the officers in Agnew to be concerned that his words might be intercepted, overheard, or otherwise disclosed. 
Judge McHugh further went on to state, first Pareto knew he was disparaging his client to journalists working on a documentary series about a controversy in which public opinion has been hostile to his client. Any reasonable person could infer from that fact that defendants would never have interest in disclosing his candid opinions about his case. For a journalist, to catch an interview subject in a fundamental contradiction is a prize coup, something Mr. Pareto would well understand. In addition, Pareto signed a release, consenting to the use of his recorded conversations, and the attorney never took the obvious and elemental step of confirming that he was speaking off the record, despite his later invocation of the norms of journalism. Yeah, so the Freak Me documentary series uh, or docu-series premieres on August 9th on Amazon Prime. And I will be in tune. I think it's going to actually be pretty good. And um, I 100% agree with this judge's opinion. Like, yeah, that was completely this- dumb for him to start talking about his client to reporters. Yeah, and I think she said despite his later invocation of the norms of journalism. So I think later on he would said, actually, this is off the record. And so then they were like, okay, we're done recording. So I, he knows he know, he's been working in as an attorney for quite some time, has been doing media interviews for quite some time. And so, just common sense. Exactly. Common sense ain't so common. So let me take that back. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but anyway, let's get into this pop culture roundup uh the nba free agency trades are shaking up basketball you know kevin durant is leaving the warriors and while i'm sad to see him go um he wouldn't be playing anyway because he's injured so i'm happy we can clear up some roster space but he is coming to brooklyn and since i still live here and if i'll be living here at that time i will be going to these brooklyn nets games to go see him because kevin durant is bae yeah, I've been seeing all of my um, fourth Twitter feed really going through it this week. Um, clearly don't know what's happening. But Kyrie's coming to the Nets, too. Is that what's happening? That's <laughs> happening. So you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie. They'll be in Brooklyn. The Knicks still don't have anybody. Oh, yeah. uh, well, have they? The eyebrow dude. I can't. Anthony Davis, he's going to the Lakers with LeBron. Uh, Kawhi, the one that I didn't want to speak about before that played in Toronto. He left Toronto Mm. and Drake is in shambles. He hasn't made any mentions as far as I know. He's going to the Clippers. Oh yeah, I knew that one. Yeah, people were trying to get him to the Lakers, including Snoop, but that didn't work. So it'll be interesting, you know, um, the Warriors, we have some interesting people. I don't, haven't seen any huge names yet that I'm pretty familiar with oh the dude from russell uh, i can't remember his name but westbrook no oh nobody wants to play with him <laughs> again y'all see how uh, i know about what somebody from about. brooklyn deshaun russell i think i can't remember but anyway he's I'll, cute i'll have to take your name for it or take your word for it because D'Angelo Russell, there we go. D'Angelo <laughs> Russell, he is going to the Warriors, so he will be joining Draymond, Steph Curry, and Clay. And prayers to Clay too, because he also got injured in um, the finals. But the Warriors will be back. And shout out to my cousin, who's the recruiting coach. So I hope he does well. And we bring that ring back home. Yeah, shout out to everything you just said, <laughs> because I have been paying more attention to Disney for first and foremost. Um, this is fresh off the presses. Um, naming 
the, the lead for the upcoming live action Little Mermaid. Well, I think live action slash CGI um, will be none other than um, Haley, Haley from Bailey. Chloe. Well, Haley from Chloe and Haley, because that's how you know, you know her. her. Um, she is one of the sister duo who began, I think, on YouTube. YouTube covering and, um, songs. Queen B found them and you know signed them to a record deal and they've been a singing group ever since but they also branched off into acting once they were cast on Grownish. Grownish, yeah. Um, and they also do the the theme song for Grownish as well. Um, I think it's called I'm Grown Now, I'll Grown Up or something. I haven't heard it. It's I like cute, it's cute. I like a couple of their songs. I'm not huge just, fans of them because it's not my demographic. It's like I'm not outside that of that their songs are very breathy. Like, ooh, <laughs> like I don't, that's, ooh, I don't be knowing what's going on. I be feeling like, girl, are you about to have a panic attack? No shade. They sound like Beyonce when she first started. See, this is why I be telling y'all Tyrone ain't really in a But beehive. listen, listen. No Beyonce slander will be Go tolerated. back to V-Day and listen to Capricorn, Leo, Sagittarius, I love all y'all. That was not V-Day. <laughs> Oh, or, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go back to dangerously in love. She did what? get back. She got better on B day. That's when I started to notice. Let's get into some updated Beyonce news. <laughs> the Lion King. The Lion King is coming this yes. week, guys. I'm so excited. July 19th. Not only are we getting B as Nala, but we are getting a new album. It's called The Lion King: The Gift. And the album is of songs featuring global recording artists and steeped in mm. the sounds of Africa. If y'all didn't know, Lion King is based in Africa. The album is produced and curated by none other than Beyonce Knowles Carter. And it will also be released on July 19th. The lead song, Spirit, is coming soon. And I cannot wait. So small wins of a new Beyonce album. A Truly. movie and an album like I'm so excited I think we have a long way to go before we get another album so truly we need to savor all of this B love we're getting right now I just saw one of the official promotional photos I think they did either for Vanity Fair or for Variety but it was oh, with yeah. all of the you know actor lead actors and actresses and I truly believe that Beyonce was not in that photo with them and they photoshopped her in there. It does <laughs> not some people It say. does not look like she was actually there because she posed like she was but in a room by herself. I was like, that's a B pose when no one else is there. Right. That I've seen enough of body, her. Body, body. I've seen enough face, of her Instagram posts yes. to know that she don't pose like that with other people. Like she <laughs> poses like that when she is given the freedom to be like, okay, let me hit this. You know, accentuated Vogue um, and a Wintour type style pose. So I'm just going to throw it out there, conspiracy theory. But anyway. And can we wait before we end on this Lion King thing? We just have to, you know, recall the premiere and those photos of how Beyonce slayed. You know, I'm oh, just that yeah. red carpet look. Oh my God. I can't believe. Ugh her mind i'm just i'm just so happy i'm going back to childhood you know this new lion king little mermaid my whole room was little mermaid when i was a kid i had the curtains i had the blankets like Mm. all the 
you know, accessories. So I'm happy that, you know, one day my children will have a black little mermaid. And definitely go see Lion King. Yes. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure I've been hearing great things about it. So yes. I'm sure it is an amazing spectacle, as you just said, Desiree. So whew, we covered a lot today. Yes. So y'all know where to find us. We don't need to repeat it all for you. But with that said, please remember, we are not, not your, your attorneys. attorneys.